What up, fuckers? It's Christina Hutchinson. And Corinne Fisher. You're about to listen to a clip from Guys We Fucked, the anti-slut-shaming podcast. Uh, on this week's uh, episode, we interview ex-convict Danny Collins, and we talk about uh, white privilege even in the prison system. We talk about the prison system. We talk about having open conversations with people who feel differently than you. Uh, we feel we talk respect about... respect system in prison. Yeah, we talk about how to uh, sustain a relationship for that five years while you're you know while you're in prison and and how someone can stay by your side but still have boundaries it's a very interesting episode we encourage you to tune in if you want to listen to the whole thing you're going to need to subscribe to the luminary channel on apple podcasts and you can do that by going to apple.co slash gwf again that's apple.co slash gwf that's why i tell people all the time when when we lock people up in prison we don't eliminate crime not, All we do oh is di- we displace crime. We take it out of the public eye and mm-hmm. then put it in this private underworld right. in which sexual assaults still happen, yes. in which murder still happen, in which drug abuse still happens. I mean, everything still goes on because our whole mindset is meant to be punitive and nothing about it is rehabilitated. Mm-hmm. Right. And then because we wonder if you actually why, wanted people to get better, you wouldn't throw them in a cage. Yeah. And the idea is that it's justified behind the criminals, but you're not taking society into account. You got to detach emotionalism from this. You got to use some objective reasoning and look at it from a point of view that if you really want society to heal, even the most hardened, we should never lower our human rights as a society, our principles that we are guided by to meet those of our most sickened or hardened criminals. And that's what we do. We match them at their level instead Mm -hmm. of trying to bring them up to the level of society. And you know, what they need is love, and that's something they probably have never gotten absolutely. ever. And Most that's why you're searching, you're searching to fill a void. And if the only thing that can make your energy flow through your body is to commit a crime or do something violent because that's how oppressed you were as a child, as a baby, yeah. you couldn't express yourself or as a teenager growing up, then of course you're going to resort. It's like it's almost scientific. The, 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 the human mind will resort to those types of things if you are repressing any side of yourself as from when you're a kid. Oh, and that's the thing. I've had to deprogram myself and unlearn everything that I've ever learned about life, about relationships with people, you know, like I said, with faith, with masculinity, with um, drug addiction and all the underlying issues. And I've done it without therapy. I've done it through trial and error, bumping my head wow. against the wall a million times. And I still have issues with it. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I fight my own inner demons all the time. And I've, I'm thankful that I've got some people that are helping me out with it. But this is the other thing. You get out of prison. They don't offer this kind of access in prison. And if they do, the label of being a psychological or being a psych inmate in prison is not good. You get thrown into camp. So you could be like somebody who maybe suffering from a high functioning person suffering with depression or something. Yeah. You need some therapy, but you will get thrown in the same box with the same, with the people that are way far gone. And then the, Uh the, you know, the level, it's a one size fit all cookie cutter approach to mental health in prison. And that's right. Because that's what that was my question. Like, it, you know, if you asked for mental health care, is it available? But so you're, you're going to the psych ward where people were, I'm guessing, uh, suffering from like severe mental illness, like schizophrenia or something are also going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the security levels are a lot higher. Um, the lack of care, it's just a lot more. Oh. Everything about it is because there's no empathy. There's no empathy. And, that approach is what keeps, and this is the other thing too. Like my biological mother passed away when I was in prison and I, so she lived three streets down from me my entire life. I could Did never you tell you what she looked like. Did you ever get to meet her 
And you I never know. met her, but I called her for the first time in my life right before I went to prison. That was on the encouragement of my wife. She's like, you need to get some closure. This is what's yeah. been killing you for years. Yeah. You oh need to, yes. to face it. So like I called her, we found her number on Google through the, um, the pay, white pages on, on Google. Mm-hmm. And we call her and come to find out she lived, lived three, three, three streets down from my entire life. So Whoa. that's so crazy. I knew that's when you found that out. Yeah. Well, I kind of figured it out a little bit before then, but connecting the dots that I wasn't like when I was young and I don't remember how old I was. I was, we had just moved into the, to the neighborhood. My parents had bought their first house. I was playing basketball out in front of the house and two girls come riding by on a bicycle. One girl points to the other girl and says, Daniel, that's your sister, Rebecca. And they keep riding, uh, uh, but I'm young. So I'm uh, not really able to process this. Right. And then right. I go to school and the girl comes up to me. She says, Daniel, you don't know me, but my name's Rebecca and I'm your sister. So that's, I run, I run as far away from her, but I don't discuss this with my parents at the house, but now mm. I start to get curious and I start looking for things. So that's when I got the birth certificate. When I took it to my little league coach, the name on it said, I had a mother's name that didn't match up with my mother. Mm-hmm. And then I had a sister named Rebecca. So later, years later, I ended up talking to my dad about it. And he always just assumed that I knew, you know, and we never, we, it was never communicated in our house. He, I don't, you know, he just, he thought that I knew, like, it was just almost like it was a given and it huh. wasn't, you know? Yeah. He didn't and take the time to sit you down and have that Never took me the time to sit me down and have that conversation. Yeah. We just, it just business is normal, you know? Right. But I became very, I started that um, outlash against my parents, against my mom. One time I, she told me, she tried to punish me, discipline me for something. I said, you can't punish me. You're not my real mom. That was yeah. really the breakdown, you know? That's right. That's um, a rebellion that of course, yeah. Of mm-hmm. course, a, ch- a young child, a teenager would feel. Yeah. So yeah. these are some of the issues I had. So when I found out that my birth mom died when I was in prison, my wife had told me, and I have a cousin that was in contact with my wife, which I'm hoping to meet soon. And, um, and hopefully I can meet my sisters as well too. But when she passed away, my wife had told me, well, this situation, if it bothers me, it, it, which it did, I can't go to mental health. Well, you can, but the whole process of filling out mental health in prison takes about a month. They got two weeks to respond to you. And by the time they respond to you in two weeks, it probably takes about another two weeks to get you on a list to see a mental health doctor. You have to and apply it's like a, for it. You have to apply for it. Mm-hmm. There, uh, there's only one so other you have condition. To be in a position where you can um, be advocate for yourself, which is already like people walking around day to day can't do that. Like you have to go, oh, wait, I need help. I'm going to go get like that's proactive. That's pretty proactive. Yeah, yeah I mean, it seems like, like if you're in prison, like everyone could use some mental health just being from, from being in prison. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, but that's part of the toxic can, yeah. masculinity in prison, right. too, is that you have this stigma where you cannot be vulnerable. You cannot show emotions. Of course. Yeah. You know, Damn. so you got to bravado. I'm a man. I got to tough this out, you know, yep. and that's the way that it's been taught. And that's the way it was always taught to me anyways. You know, that's the way I grew up. Like, yeah. we didn't talk about things. So, like, yeah. and I've always been probably an emotional guy that I've worn my emotions on. Well, sleep, you're but human. I've been, yeah. But to be conditioned to believe and act a certain way for so long, then it's just inner conflict. And that's why I've been at conflict with myself for years. And I believe that's what led to the drug addiction, even with my racism, with my uh, my faith, with uh, not being able to show emotions, all this stuff that you're conditioned and taught as a kid. And you got to undo it and learn things the wrong way. Like everything that I learned the, the wrong way, I had to, to figure it out. But the other option for the mental health that I was talking about is that you can declare a psychological emergency in prison. But okay. the process of that is so humiliating that nobody wants mm-hmm. to do it because oh, it, what's the it, process? you have to get ha- handcuffed. 
into a black box, they consider you a threat to yourself or to society. So if I just want to talk to somebody, then they put you in a green turtle suit and they put you in a cell with no sheets. Uh, and your food comes in a styrofoam tray without any eating utensils oh, and they so can you keep you up there yeah. under 24 hour observation because yeah. that's the only way that you can get emergency right in that moment is that you have to either say you're suicidal or homicidal. Right. And if you don't oh, say, if you don't declare one of those, then you have to go through that process. Well, a month from now, who knows what could have happened in exactly. a month by the time. Yeah. So that's <sighs> the biggest issue is that the whole process of mental health in prison too, not only is it a cookie cutter, one size fits all, but the process of it is humiliating, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If you really want to get the help. This show is sponsored by Better Help. Getting stuff off your chest is incredible. It's so therapeutic. We all carry around different stressors. Some of them are big. Some of them are small. A lot of them are very big. Uh, but we keep them bottled up, and it could start affecting us negatively. And then we act like a jerk to the people we love. And we're like, this is not how I want to be. Therapy has saved my life personally. There are so many benefits of it. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. Although if you have experienced major trauma, highly recommend. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designated to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you could switch at any time. Finding a therapist is like dating. They're not all going to work out in the first try. BetterHelp understands that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash guys to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash guys. Yeah, they're taking advantage. I, I, I would imagine that this term, the term toxic masculinity, all, all the terrible things about that, all the anti-human things about masculinity that get put on boys, like don't cry, which is it's just so fucking ridiculous you're a human being uh I, I imagine that that's under a microscope in prison when you're oh, yeah. it's, you were in an all-male prison for all your entire prison, right. time yeah and that's how prisons are i mean yeah divided up into gender yeah so and that's it you see like and then and prisons come a long ways like with homosexuality you know like gang yeah. affiliations like that's frowned upon 100 percent. so like when you see that so even if people are having these tendencies or what, they can cause them issues within because it's once again, it's like there's that negative outlook on everything. You know, it's there's a certain stigma, a certain way you're supposed to carry yourself in prison that a lot of people, they struggle with it. You know, a lot of people will do things. And then you have some people like that will do something that is contrary to who they are, just out of fear of uh being what's the word I'm looking for preyed upon so okay. you have a lot of predatory issues yeah like some people who are not normally say homosexual right right but will be in prison oh they'll rape of, another guy well not necessarily it won't be rape because this is the way this they'll is how insi- themselves to have this is how insidious sex with them to, because they know yeah. that these people are going to try to do it to them anyways oh, right. so they right. will make it look like For they sure. are the initiators or that this is what they want and in reality this is not what they want but they're but doing they're it just it, to survive. Yeah, they're making Try that a more pleasant experience for them, even though you can't make that yeah. experience ever pleasant. Yeah, that's not. Yeah. And it's, is it true that you can get per- protection from someone if you allow them to have anal sex with yours? I mean, I'll, and please keep oh, in mind yeah. all the stuff I'm telling you I've got from movies. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely protection. And right. that's what I, I shared a video because and there's this idea, too, in movies that you see that. And it's different for different states because I've talked to some people out in California that sexual predators automatically get preyed upon. 
in Florida, it doesn't necessarily work that way. You okay. know, they can oh, pay for protection, but also there's camera systems now. In the uh-huh. old system, that happened. Yeah. But to think that, you know, sexual predators are getting preyed upon every day, that they're getting beat up and stabbed every day, it doesn't happen that they're way. Not. But they do pay for protection a lot, you know? Uh-huh. And they also will be, you know, this is the other thing too. If there's things going on within the system, like if I've got my own um, black market hustle going on, if somebody's got this going on or something, they're not going to allow somebody to harm these people because they don't want them to go tell them what they got going on, you know? God, so yeah, so you, you, it's this ecosystem that is created. It's an ecosystem. private prison because all prisons are private, right? No. Mm-mm. They're not. And that's the big misconception too. Interesting. Uh, private prisons are frowned upon now and Joe Biden just signed a thing to where I guess that they're not allowed to do it. But oh. th- it's the same concept though. The thing about prison and mass incarceration is that most of the time prisons are put in rural communities that otherwise where jobs aren't as prevalent. So what mm. they do is they build labor. these prisons or build these prisons. Yeah. You create the labor. Oh, now these so people. It's modern, yeah. That's the modern day slavery. That's where and you it's get the prison like, industrial complex. Now right. people who work at this prison now shop at the local Walmart. They shop at the local McDonald's or the grocery store mm-hmm. and they buy houses and it propels that entire economy. And then not on, on top of that, you have the private industries within the prison, the medical, uh, the canteen, the food, the food service, all that. So there's more sure. jobs there. Right. And oh, right. you got the labor of inmates in Florida, you get no pay for work. They don't pay you at all. So really? not even a, a small pay. There's, there's several jobs, a couple jobs at will staff canteen, staff barber. Uh, they have jobs such as, um, they have a, a thing called Pride here where they'll pay inmates like 25 cents an hour, 10 cents an hour, stuff like that. But really, Wait, the, it's called Pride. Pride is the name of the, the and I don't know. Oh. It's an acronym for something. Oh, okay. I was a, like, is it have to do with gay pride? Like, oh, no, 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 like, no. It's like a private company proud? within the prison system. And they make a lot of stuff for the prison that they also have outside contracts, too. So this was a big issue. But um, oh, right. Because, like private companies paying. Or yeah. Not even and the issue with it was that you had other companies out in the real world that were complaining about pride because pride was getting the contracts because they were able to exploit cheap inmate labor. Mm-hmm. So now do they can undercut the pricing. What huh? companies do you know? Uh, do you anywhere. Any, sure anyone, any it, yeah. city that they're in and okay, they're in competition yeah. with the local, whoever the local companies sure. are, the vendors, they don't like it because pride has access to inmate labor. Yeah. They can pay them all minimum wage. Well, they yeah. pay the state the minimum wage and then they, the state pays the inmates to, to the 25 cents an hour. And that's how that works. 25 you have to, cents an hour. Yeah. By law, they have to pay minimum wage for the job. But what they do is the state will charge you room and board. And that's how they get their cut. Oh, my God. So no one it, cares. It's an elaborate people. system. And people don't understand how this system really works. And there's so much depth to it. And so many layers. To, if, I, I have a friend, Rashawn. And he, he got put on an out, outside work. Yeah, Rashawn Clark. Yes. Yeah. And he got put on an outside work squad. And this is the first time I, I started to understand it in this light. Was that He says, dude, I'm going to the box. And I'm like, for what? And uh, he said, man. I don't like working for these people. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, it's slave labor. Mm-hmm. And he says, every time they put me on one of these squads, I go to the box because I am not working for the state for free. It's slavery. Yep. It's modern day slavery. And it goes against everything I stand on. But at yep. this time, he's got his, his court paperwork and litigation. So he's got an appeal. And Rashawn so, was in jail for being, for being a, at a, a robbery and he wasn't the one with the weapon. Was, and he was him and his brother, he was 16 years old. He was under eight. He yeah. got charged with the robbery of the deadly weapon. He was not the possessor of the weapon. Um, he, was he was with a child. His, 
who's with a child. The Department of Juvenile Justice recommended that he go to a high-risk uh, treatment facility. The mm -hmm. state obviously overlooked that. His brother, who was his co-defendant and the possessor of the weapon, got the most time initially. But both of them were, they both had plea deals that weren't conveyed to them, that weren't offered to them. So their attorneys had these plea deals. They never knew these plea deals that were a little bit less time than what they got. So wow. Rashawn was offered 15 so years were, on paper. They were fucked by their attorneys. Basically, absolutely. <laughs> and he didn't see it. But his brother appealed it and went back to court and was granted relief. They granted his appeal. They gave him the benefit of the doubt was the exact words the judge used. And okay. they commuted his sentence to 18 years flat. They took away his probation and everything. Rashawn went on the same exact grounds with the same exact evidence. And the judge did not give him the benefit of the doubt. And he said, there's no way that the attorney didn't give you this message. But now uh, their, their plea offers were on the same paper. You know, they were codependent. Wow. Same evidence. And the judge said that their cases were not conjoined. I mean, I looked up every definition of conjoined and I don't see how it's not, you know, right. like they were at the same I'm not a legal property. expert. Yeah. Right. But so now Rashawn is, is being forced to work for free for a company and he's saying no. And they're putting, no, he's doing it for the state. So the oh, state, okay. it has a contract with the Florida department of transportation oh. and they started to lose some of these contracts because it's starting to get exposed more. But what happens is that the state has a contract with the, with the Department of Transportation. They use the inmate labor to go mow the communities so and all this stuff. And they, the contract pays the state, but the inmates don't get any money. And it's their, the way they say it is that they, they're, they're paying for the room and board, and it's their debt to society, to taxpayers, you know? And that's how they look at it, saving taxpayers money, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's how they justify that whole process. Wow. But because he had his case in, in appeals court, he said he ended up going to work and he's still working today and doing what he's supposed to do because he knows that in Florida, if you refuse to work, that's like the number that one, will not bode well, they will take, they will put you in the box in solitary confinement, which is the most inhumane thing about prison yeah. for 60 days and take away all 60 your gains. 60 days, 60 days in a hole and take away all your gain time. So you really you have, have years to of have, um, you, I would imagine the mental fortitude that you must build inside yourself in order to not go crazy over these, the system and to, it has to be, you have to be a pro at that. I can't imagine the strength. And I wasn't, you know, like, that's why I give so much credit to Rashawn. Cause when I look at this, he was a 16 year old kid yeah. who went into a system a that's designed to gobble him up mm -hmm. as an adult prison. And he did not join a gang. He carried himself with dignity and he yeah. educated himself. This man read everything you could possibly read. Every book you can possibly read. He's the one that actually taught me about the whole 13th Amendment. You know, that. Oh, yes. Yeah, the abolishment of slavery, except for when punishable by a crime. Mm -hmm. And when he started to show me these things in this, in this light, at the time, I'm trying to convert him to Trump. You know, I'm using Candace really? Owens' book. Wow, yeah, what like, a 180 was, you made. So... At the, I was full all in because I didn't understand my my racism wasn't built on the fact that I outwardly just hated African-American people. My racism was built on upholding a constitution and uh, laws, you know, uh, the system that I, you know, like that I'm supposed to be proud to be an American. And right. like, when, the, when the statues went coming down, because I'm in prison for all this, you know, and how dare you kneel for the flag? I was that type of, you know what I mean? Wow. Like I, I took it personal. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't so much that I hated African-Americans. It was more built on the fact that um, I hated that they were 
like it was almost like they were disrespecting our system, but not understanding that this system you was didn't know that the system was built to disrespect them to disrespect them. Right. And once I figured that out, that's when I did the 180 is because I was like, wow. And then I became collateral damage in a system because it's directly impacted my life yeah. that was designed to oppress them to start with. Yeah. And it was built on the backs of white supremacy politics. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, the, so, yeah, in the, in the 13th Amendment, when you get down to the language, it says you are a sl- if you're a prisoner, you are a slave like yes. that. It, it says this it, abolishing. Yeah. You can't even argue that uh, uh, this is modern. This isn't modern day slavery because it says that it is in the Constitution. Yeah. And in and 1865, this is abolished. And then 1870, you have the passing of the black codes in the South. Yeah. And that yeah. says that. You know, behaviors that practices that are common to black people are now a crime. So inevitably, what you did was make being black a crime. And this is how the system started. So I I talk about this on my social media a lot. And what people don't understand is that they'll say, well, just don't commit crimes. Well, you got to understand how this started. Sure. There is a a whole government waiting and pushing for you to commit a fucking crime so that or do one thing wrong so that they can. I mean, mean, I've got that. I've got five years probation right now. I'm afraid to seek out on it, you know, just because I know that speaking out on it, you become a target. But once I came into this light, you you can never go back. Once you come into the knowledge of this truth, of how this system that because a lot of people get upset about the reactionary um, outlashes that you see sometimes in the African-American community. This is what white people, this is the number one thing I hear white people hold on to, you know, and the people that I've been around in circles who would necessarily, they're they're the type of people that say, well, I'm not racist, but I've had my prejudices. You know, like that's the argument that I used to use, you know? Right, right. It's not an argument. Like I'm a closet racist, you know? Like really I'm a racist. Let's get to the bottom of it. And let's fuck, yeah, let's get to the bottom of it and talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And own it. But this is what I loved about prison. See, because my relationship with Rashawn, as I'm trying to proselytize him, and this is probably the only thing I loved about prison is the respect level in there. Is that because- as I'm trying to proselytize him and convert him to Trump and, and, and capitalism and this whole system, he's just, he's let me speak my truth wow. until my truth didn't make he sense anymore. He held space for you. That he held space for me. Man. And out here, that's one thing that does not happen is that if you say something that goes against my, my ideological beliefs, you're automatically canceled. You're automatically yeah. shut down. People don't listen right. to you. But in there, there's engagement. And you can't and there's build more time too. Yeah. So that's a, yeah, that's true. You do have more time. <laughs> and that's what I share with people. Well, and but you but the to, goal, right. goal was to not cancel. It was to make you understand something that you very clearly didn't understand. Yeah. And in order to do that, you have to show each other respect for you to be even be open to listen. If you you know you're not going to listen to somebody who's who's like if I try to get a point across and I'm yelling, you're not going to listen to me. So it's a disservice to my point, no matter how good it is. Well, and also in prison, you're, you're stuck there together. So it's yeah. not like you can walk away. You can't turn off your phone. You can't close that email. Like the way we can, People we've created a society where we can really uh, isolate ourselves from each other. And we have, and we continue to do so by not listening to other people's points of view. Like I have a whole other podcast. That's literally about just this. So I'm very passionate mm-hmm. about that. Like every day, every, every Tuesday, I basically say something that could ruin my entire career. It's real fun. Um, <laughs> but I think just the the notion that there's things that you cannot talk about without fear of losing your job. Like if there is a subject that falls under that category, that in and of itself is an issue because yeah. why can't you talk about it? Why can't you question it? You should be able to question everything, you know? Yeah, Cause then that's how you educate yourself. Cause when that's say, how you grow. 
Thanks for listening to that excerpt with our interview with Danny Collins. I highly suggest that you listen to the whole goddamn thing because it is a fascinating conversation. You want to subscribe to the Luminary channel at Apple Podcasts. So to do that, you go to apple.co slash GWF. That's apple.co slash GWF. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com.